0: Welcome to Nothing to Hide, the Moran Giles podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Calfe. Moran Giles is one of America's oldest leather companies. We were founded during the heart of the Great Depression here in Lynchburg, Virginia in 1933. And almost 100 years later, our leadership is still in pursuit of one thing, the world's finest leather. Perhaps we have even touched your life. Maybe it was in a hotel lobby or your home. Or perhaps this morning when you went to get a cup of coffee, you found your favorite leather chair in the corner. You settled in. Well, that leather is probably Moran Giles, too. Our goal is simply just to share some stories with this podcast, to take you on a journey, to let you experience what we experience. We'll teach you how leather's made and give you insight to some of the subtle nuances of the material. Did you know it's one of man's oldest materials? We're also going to take you to meet some of our favorite people in the world, designers and creative influencers, and people that are connected to Morton Giles through one thing, leather. We hope you'll join us on the More Giles podcast, Nothing to Hide. Hey, guys, it's your host, Daryl Calfey, and today's guest is Adrian Parker. Adrian's one of the wisest men I know, um, and he and I have worked together in some capacity for almost 20 years, and neither one of us has been arrested yet, <laughs> correct? Um, that is correct
1: to date. Um, I can't say we haven't done things that warranted an arrest, but so far, we're clean so far. I do have some embarrassing pictures of you that if people saw it, they might want to arrest you. So, but I'll keep those in my pocket. Yeah,
0: let's still put those in the show notes today. Fair enough. Adrian is taking time to join us today from where at in the world, AP? I am in good old
1: Hamilton, Bermuda
0: at the Bacardi Global Headquarters. I'm joining you
1: from this nice little 65,000 person island right off the East Coast. So if you go to Charleston and go over about an hour and a half, right in the middle of the Atlantic is good old Bermuda. You're invited anytime. You had a good time last time you were here. That
0: place was awesome, man.
1: Yeah, you know, it's this really amazing island. It still has the, the culture and the heritage of kind of got this Caribbean influence. It was a British colony, beautiful people, beautiful weather and some of the most amazing beaches in the world. So yeah, it's definitely a place to check off your bucket list. But bring your uh, credit and your debit cards It is also one of the most Expensive places to live in the world. Not easy in the pocketbook, but it is great for their skin because the beaches and the weather are awesome.
0: So, your title is vice president of global marketing for Patron Tequila. What does that mean, and like, what do you do? As a vice president of marketing for Patron, it means, you know, I'm
1: charged with the privilege of working with some of the most amazing men and women in the globe to sell the world's greatest tequila. So anything with the Patron logo, whether it's an event, uh, whether it's a TV ad, a social media post, it's something you see at retail, it's our liquid, it's our packaging, it's our bottle. All of that is really, you know, uh, under my responsibility, but also just, you know, I get to work with and learn from a group of talented people. And so I'm really excited about this role and uh, what's ahead for Patron Tequila. So that's a big job. I mean, how did you get there? Rare and tequila. You know, you, you No, know <laughs> you know, I've never had a really bona fide career plan. And lots of uh, the most amazing opportunities I've had started with someone I knew that I worked with historically. And so uh, I got a call six years ago to join Patron from uh, my mentor and uh, former CMO, Lee Applebaum. And I had worked with Lee before for a long time. And I think when I came in from tax and accounting software, I think people are scratching their head like, hey, what does a tax and accounting marketer or a retail marketer know about tequila? And, uh, you know, uh, six years ago, I joined the head of digital and and now, you know, I can say I've learned a lot about the industry. And I think the path here has just really been amazing is one of challenging yourself and your assumptions and always learning. So every year my job description changes, learning something about the customer, the industry, et cetera. And so, yeah, it's it's a great role to be in, but definitely one that um, takes a, a very steep learning curve.
0: So, AP, at this point, what would you say is the biggest misnomer for tequila?
1: americans uh, have a love affair generally and the world has a love affair with tequila but it's probably one of the spirits that has the lowest amount of just iq people just don't know a lot about it they don't know where it's made so tequila is one of the most regulated guarded spirits in the world it has to be made in certain regions in mexico from a specific plant a weber blue agave Um, agaves grow for eight years in the ground and so it's a very labor-intensive spirit And I think often it's associated with, you know, a bad night of college memories, shots or margaritas. And a lot of people just don't have any uh, really clue of the handcrafted nature and the labor it takes to make tequila well. And so that's where Patron stood out. We were the first premium tequila brand that make tequila at such a high quality
0: that it made it premium, made people pay more for it.
1: Yeah, it's a fun category because people are always learning more about it.
0: Well, I can say from firsthand experience, um, my time in Mexico with you there in Jalisco was eye-opening. I mean, I had no idea how much work went into making a single bottle of tequila, not to mention how many hands were involved. I think there's a lot of similarities there with leather and, you know, how it's crafted and the amount of hands that it takes to craft the leather here at Moran Giles that we use. What do you see as the similarities there? The Patron, we say, you
1: know, 60 hands touch every single bottle of tequila from harvesting the agave to cooking it, to chopping it, to fermentation, distillation, bottling, you name it, right? It's an end-to-end process that takes a lot of people. We've got 1,600 men and women down in Mexico who make a Patron tequila, what it is today. And very similar to the leather process, I had the chance to visit you there in Virginia and kind of walk through some of the shopping and learning and seeing like how leather is, you know, we know it's from a hide of an animal, but seeing them there, you realize how handcrafted each and every hide is different. Each one has its own fingerprint and you realize like, wow, like to get from a field to someone's bag or to someone's leather chair, whatever it is, furniture. There's a lot of steps in that process. And I think people forget that. And I think the opportunity to learn and listen about that journey has been really amazing.
0: So speaking of steps in the process, uh, tell me about the tequila at Patron that has the most steps, or I would say maybe is the most vintage or aged. What do you guys call that? Yeah, so good
1: timing of your question. We just launched a new tequila. It's called Extra Nejo Diez Años. So, Diez is 10 in Spanish. It's aged for 10 years. And so, if you can imagine a tequila that took 7 to 8 years to mature as an agave plant, and then another 10 years in barrels to be finished. You know, that's 18 years of production it took. So, it's the oldest tequila ever created Hacienda Patrona, Mexico. It's got great flavor notes. And most people who tasted it, if you're a brown spirit enthusiast, so if you drink a bourbon or a cognac or even some whiskeys, scotches, you would swear it was one of those. Most people don't identify tequila with those sweet aroma and that dark color. And so it's an amazing liquid, very limited quantities. A lot of it's been allocated already, but we're very excited about that because, you know, it's not about just that one product. It's about what you can do with tequila and a nod to the people and the artisans who make it the best and so it takes a lot of time and dedication to really do that imagine that 18 years ago I had hair so that was a long (laughs) time
0: What's been your biggest challenge to working across the borders? I mean, I know you're on the road all the time. Give us a little snapshot of what it looks like to be Adrian internationally right now. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? It's, It's an exciting
1: opportunity to see cultures and see the world through a different lens. Oftentimes when you grow up in the United States, especially, our lens can be very myopic. And so being able to be down in Mexico, Korea, France, Bermuda, being in different countries, in parts of Asia, parts of Africa, you realize how similar you are. So no matter if it's Different countries or different cuisine or different cultures we're all really wired the same. And so no matter where I go, I always love to just kind of get out and experience that. And so part of our mission, not only for Patron, but for Bacardi as a corporation is, you know, to celebrate moments that matter. And no matter what language you speak, everyone speaks the language of socializing with friends, of celebrating experiences. And so it's been really cool to merge those two worlds. I mean, oftentimes people think of the booze industry, if you will, as, you know, it's just about the alcohol, but it's about much more, it's about the moments. And so traveling gives you those moments and Deep appreciation for that.
0: Tell me about your favorite drink right now, by the way. If you were going to pick one, what are you making or drinking the most right now? Oh, man, I'm a big fan
1: of an añejo Old Fashioned. A tequila aged over a year is called an It means aged in Spanish. And you put some bitters in there, the little orange zest, and you're ready to go. It's an amazing drink. So it's my go-to when I'm traveling as well. But you know what? I also enjoy a nice Patron on the Rocks. So just kind of having it after a long day. I might have one after this podcast. Mm.
0: Man, can I join you for that one? <laughs> done 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 All right. So tell me about the facility in Jalisco, Mexico. If you were going to describe it to somebody that's never been there before, paint us a picture.
1: Yeah. You know, if you can imagine kind of a turn of the century hacienda, you know, house, it's a home in Spanish and it's more than just a place where we make our tequila. It's our home. So it's the spiritual and the functional birthplace of Patron Tequila. It's a working factory, right? Where we have fermentation tanks and copper pot stills and small brick ovens around. But imagine. Imagine like 1,600 people all around there, like worker bees, right? People ask what the bee stands for, and they have a bunch of different stories, but the bee does hearken to this idea of all these people working to make this fine tequila. And I remember my first trip there, you walk through and every step of the process, you're like, okay, there's a machine that could cut the agave. There's gotta be a machine that can move the agave into the fermentation tank. There's gotta be a machine that does this. And every point they would say, yes, but a machine wouldn't catch this, or a machine wouldn't know that this was lower quality. Mm. So every step of the process, we've decided deliberately to choose the handcraft over the convenience. Instead of automating, we replicated our process. And so the best analogy I could tell you is if your grandmother made these homemade chocolate chip cookies and it became a success and you got a contract to sell it across the world, first thing you might do, which a lot of people do, is right, you would find a, a distribution place or a warehouse where you could make it fast. So you would try to take her recipe and translate it to make it more efficient. Well, we didn't do that. We hired a thousand grandmas to make the cookie exactly how she did. And so we kept this same artisanal process. We're one of the largest employers in that region in Mexico. And so, you know, it doesn't make any sense how we make tequila, but it does when you taste it. Imagine the hacienda as a a house, as a birthplace, but also a workplace where people are valued. We take care of our employees. There's gender pay equity, childcare. We have orphanages. We have a chapel. So it really is a part of the community we're not just taking something from the ground or the People were giving back and it really has a sense of of purpose when you go down there.
0: AP, one of my favorite things from our trip last year was when we got to go out to the fields, actually where the agave is harvested. And I remember the drive that morning, it was just beautiful. We basically ascended up this plateau, the weather changed about 10 degrees, but it was beautiful, it was sunny, and then all of a sudden we come out into this wide expanse and it was just this amazing blue agave. But the guys that we met there that were harvesting it, they had a very distinct look. There was a hair. You could tell that was happening there. Tell me a little bit more about those hemidors and kind of their legacy, if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, this Pimador right, who is the harvester and the farmers of agave, they know not only the plant, but they know the region, the ground. And they use this tool called a koa. You probably remember that. It's like a shovel with a razor on the end. And they take the time to chop and harvest that. It's a labor-intensive occupation, but it's one that has a very much a sense of pride. you got to remember, tequila is almost like the national or official spirit of Mexico. And so people who harvest it, very much a special place in their communities. It's not an occupation you can just get into. You have to be born into it. And it's passed down. It's a legacy and a heritage through generations. And so Patron has really been proud to work with some of the same families and the farmers who we contract directly with who harvest and grow our agave. But we also partner with them for education and for taking care of them and their families as well. And so it's really a great honor to be a Hemador. And it's an honor for me, you know, as a Patron employee to be a part of their family as well.
0: One of the things that I saw as another similarity between the way you guys do business at Patron and the way we do business here at More Giles and making our leather was the selection process. And so when we were out in the field, I saw the hemidors as they were cutting the piña, they were cutting it in a different way than your competition would, right? And it was basically getting the very best piña, but then also cutting it in a way that didn't necessarily give the best yield, but gave the best flavor. You want to talk a little bit about that and what that cost you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely you know our vision
0: right is to make the
1: world's highest quality tequila all that starts with the best ingredients what people probably don't realize is you know when you harvest an agave and you take those spines off So if you trim it close, right, you're losing some of the leaves and some of that. And so if you really want to make it more efficient, you wouldn't trim it close. You would use some of that liquid and put it into your tequila process. But that liquid would be bitter. It wouldn't have the flavor profile we need. So not only do we cut our agave the closest out of most other major tequila brands, we also use the highest sugar content. And one of the secrets of really great tequila is to get the highest sugar content in the agave because that's where you get the sweet aromas, the cracked pepper, the cooked agave. That's you really get flavorful tequila, but it takes time. So that means you're spending more time in the ground. You're cutting it closer, which means you lose more of the volume. So yeah, it's a very inefficient process. If an accountant was to audit our process, they would find a hundred things that we do inefficiently But when you taste our final product, you see why it's worth it. And so we're very proud of the way we make our tequila, but absolutely those little things matter and those details really pay off in the end.
0: One of those other details for me was the way that you guys bring out the sugars or you basically are cooking the piña. I felt like the way that you guys cook it brings out such a sweetness in the agave. Talk a little bit about that and how you guys kind of hold to this traditional way of doing it. We cook the agave. So part of the secret process is
1: not just that we harvest and we get the high sugar content. The way we cook it in these small brick ovens, we use steam. If you were doing it efficiently, right, you would microwave your agave, which is an autoclave or diffuser. And a lot of brands do that. It's a quicker process. It's a microwave. We use these small, small batch brick ovens that take 79 hours to cook. And then we take the fiber and we macerate it and we ferment our tequila with the fiber and you know we crush it with the tahona, which is a two-ton volcanic rock that crushes the agave so that the sugar and the flavor stays with it and so if you can imagine every step of that process costs a lot more time energy and money than what you would do if you were going to make it efficient one of the things I did when I first trip to Hacienda was I did a taste test I tasted 12 different competitive brands blind tasting and you really get an appreciation for Patron because when you taste it back to back you can really taste the process. And so one of the things that for you, Daryl, you probably remember is now that you smelled agave cooking, you smell it roasting, you've been by the ovens, you've been by the fermentation tanks. Now when you taste tequila, oftentimes you go back to the terroir or the land, or you go back to how it was made. It's very similar to wine, where if you have been to a winery or a vineyard, you can kind of really get a sense of place. And so we definitely take that seriously. It's a very labor-intensive process. It's very similar to leather, right? I mean, good leather takes time, attention, and the right details. And you know, oftentimes people don't have an appreciation for it, but they know it when they see it.
0: No, that's a good point. Actually, leather will change by region. So depending on where that hide was harvested from, it basically will take on a different characteristic. A hide in South America versus a hide out of Southern Europe will look and feel very different. And back to your point, we're selecting the very best hide. We have to because we don't put anything extra in it. Kind of like you guys, there's no extra coloring. There's no extra flavoring. Whereas a lot of guys in your space would kind of cheat and add color or flavor. A lot of guys in our space, they cheat. They add a lot of extra finishing. Basically, they roll on prints so they can hide all of the imperfections, if you will. But it's something that we celebrate. We think it makes each hide you unique. One of the other things that I took away from you guys was that I only saw Patron being made at the Hacienda. I didn't see any other brands. Talk about that a little bit, because I know based on the NOM, where you can trace where tequilas are made at, man, some of these tequilas are all made in the same place, but you guys only make Patron. Why is that? At this moment, there's about 1,230
1: different tequila brands that are active. There's only about 12 different Distilleries that only make their own tequila. So what that means is only one out of maybe a hundred brands makes their own tequila. It's very similar to other luxury goods that you see in the market where it's outsourced. And so a distillery might make 40 or 50 different tequilas. It doesn't mean they're inferior tequilas. It just means that, you know, on Monday they run the line on one tequila brand and put one bottle. Next day, It's another brand, another bottle, another label, and the next day. And so it's just a different mass way to make tequila. And it's very much the norm. And for Patron, you know, we, we don't necessarily talk about what they do. We talk about what we don't do, which is we don't outsource our tequila making. Every drop of Patron tequila is made at Hacienda Patron. And we, our investment is that that focus, that single-minded diligence to making only one tequila makes our tequila one worth paying more for as well. For us, it really is about that dedication. So if you want to know how your tequila is made or who makes it, it's very simple. Every true tequila made in Mexico has a four-digit number on it. It's called a NOM, N-O-M. You type that four digit number in at knowyournom.com or tequila matchmaker or any one of websites and you will find out exactly who made your tequila and how many other brands are made with it so it's a great tool for us we take pride in the fact that we only make Patron and we still make it by hand
0: well speaking of every drop of Patron. It made me think of the kind of secret sauce for you guys, and it's the same for our leather, specifically at Adelaide in Italy, and that's the water. Talk a little bit about the water that you guys use down there in Jalisco. Funny,
1: uh, when we built the Hacienda, we built it with the best water source, and so we have a deep water well that we source the water that goes into every drop of Patron tequila from. We actually rinse our bottles with Patron before we fill it. Those little details about natural water, rinsing the bottles with Patron, keeping it very, very very high quality, every bottle hand sign, those things matter. Yeah. So the best ingredients, you know, any spirit you drink is really just three things. It's water, it's yeast, and it's a sugar. So if that sugar is agave, then it's tequila. If that sugar is sugar cane, it might be a rum. If that sugar is a wheat or barley or even corn potato, it could be a vodka or it could be a bourbon or a scotch. For us, water being a third of the ingredient. That's a very important part of our process.
0: Well, I think to that point, you've got to be really good at what you're doing if you're going to make a spirit that's as pure as Patron. If it's just those three things, it's got to be the best. And I think when you go into the ABC or the liquor store and you're looking on the shelf and you're like, okay, which tequila am I going to take home tonight? And you start to make your decision based on price. I think that's one of those things that can quickly get you that bad drunk, if that makes sense, right? So talk about pricing for a minute. You know, Is that bottle of Patron really worth it
1: well you know i'd say so but uh people i assume i'm biased but i'll tell you the honest truth about how spirits are even made what happens is if you look at how you harvest agave so we talked about that you got to cut it close to get the highest quality you have to steam it and cook it slower for it to be cooked all the way through so every step of that process we're not only doing it the longer less efficient way but we're also using more people For the 1,700 people down at Hacienda Patron to make our tequila, you could make our same volume with probably less than 100 people if you automated it. And so, and there's nothing wrong with automation. There's several brands that make their products very efficiently. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a reality. But for us, because everything is handcrafted, we still have people Who hand sign every bottle? They hand pack, put the ribbon on by hand, put the cork on by hand. All of these things take time and effort. And so I think for us, if you look at how we're priced in the market, we were the first ultra premium tequila that came out 30 years ago, we were $30 a bottle when everyone else was 15 in the tequila space. And so for us, we've always been the cost leader and we've never shied away from that because we have the substance to back that up, meaning that we've put the highest quality resources and commitment into that bottle. And so, yeah, absolutely. We stand by where we are, but also knowing that, you know, you know a bottle can be expensive for someone, but being able to go out and they have a cocktail, right? Or a margarita with Patron, that's the way to treat yourself. And so, you know, you don't have to save us for the big occasions. You can always have a great cocktail with a friend Uh, you know it might be a 10 or 12 dollar cocktail we're luxury but we're also aspirational and accessible
0: again we might be biased but after seeing it being made in person i definitely think that the value is there i think it's so similar to the way that we craft our leather our leather is not the cheapest on the market in fact it's probably one of the most expensive but we start with the very best raw materials and all of that work is done by hand just like there's no giant tequila machine there's no giant leather machine i think that is what also makes both of our products so special. So if you really want something that is crafted and that done the way it's supposed to be, like. Man, buy a bottle of Patron Silver.
1: <laughs> it's a great brand, and we've got the credentials to back it up. Yeah, we're very excited, though. I think that investment in time and effort really, really pays off in the long run. We're a part of the Bacardi Limited family now, so but still one of the largest probably held spirit companies. And so we have a community and a corporate environment that allows us to think long term and think mm. about how are we making just the best premium spirits, right? And we don't have to think short term or cut corners. <laughs> and I think we're in a very fortunate and enviable position. And so I think for us next, how do we take this to the world? We're very popular in the States and Mexico, and we're starting to grow globally. And so we want to make sure that premium tequila is enjoyed everywhere. Much like I'm sure you guys, right? I mean, think
0: about your global growth and taking kind of that gospel of Maureen Giles globally to people who who want to learn and experience the best. To that point, you're on the road all the time. Now being part of the Bacardi family, you're traveling consistently. Give us your travel tips. Like what are AP's travel secrets? (laughs) Travel secrets for me... I have a few. One is I actually just
1: prefer not to get to the airport too early. I'm one of those guys that likes to just walk on my plane. But, you know, one thing I always do, I always check my bag. I always text my wife before I take off. And when I land to check in, I make sure I uh, do Marco Polo. So Marco Polo is like a video app where you can send video messages or I always check in with my family several times throughout the day as well. But also, you know, trying to stay in a routine. So whether it's working out in the mornings, whether it's what you eat, just trying to stay on that routine and not let the travel get in the way of some of those things. So, yeah, for me, I just try to keep it really, really simple when I'm on the road. Take the time to enjoy where you're at. But also, yeah, stay connected to family and, and friends. because That's very important.
0: Tell me your favorite pieces of travel gear right now. What do you use? Oh, uh, you things? know,
1: I always have my Morin Giles backpack. I've had that thing for it's going on four years now and it's the showstopper. People stop me and ask me about it all the time. I've also got the Parker suitcase. It's a good weekender bag, you know, traveling with quality leather. You're not too precious with it. It's okay for it to get scratched and scraped. So it's funny, people see it and they're like, oh, uh-uh. is that, you know? No, yeah, it's fine. It's okay because yeah, I can drop stuff on it. I'll spill water in my bag. I mean, it's perfectly fine because it's leather. And so it's highly, highly durable. So I make sure I travel with that most of the time as well. And yeah, I just try to keep it very simple. I have my AirPods so I can listen to my tunes and my bags and I keep it moving.
0: Man, I think what's so cool about that backpack for you is that we recently repaired it and it was really awesome to see how many miles that thing has on it. And you have overloaded that bag so many times, but it's still holding together, man. And I think that there's very few products out there where you could travel around the world that many times and put that much weight in it consistently and it's going to hold up or give it back to the company that made it and they're going to repair it for you. So I just love seeing all the miles on that bag man.
1: Thank you. Hey, I appreciate that greatly. So thank you guys for my shoulder strap. Renovation. Yeah, no, it's a great bag. I'm gonna have this bag forever. I'll probably hand it down to my son when he's old enough. So I know it's an excellent, excellent piece. I have my eye on a couple other pieces.
0: So you'll probably be getting a, a website order from me. Well send it man send it. So last question what is coming up for you you know professionally in this next season, you know, as you lead Patron. Hey, you know
1: what? We're just very excited. We're working on what we and Bacardi Called our best 10 years. We're laying out what do the best 10 look like for premium spirits drinkers across the world. So I'm excited to be a part of a company and a community that's focused on really putting the consumer at the heart of what we do. So whether that's going out in the market, experiencing new locations and cultures, drinkers are are drinking less, right? But drinking well. So people are choosing premium spirits, but they're more mindful about what they're drinking. People are all about experiences, right? So luxury isn't just a Rolex and a yacht. Luxury is community. Luxury is a concert. Luxury is a food duty. Luxury is every day. And so I think for us, I'm very excited about the opportunity to play in this space where we're defining luxury and experiences in a whole new way. But we've got the badge and the privilege of Patron, which is such a strong brand. And so in many ways, my job is to not mess it up and protect it. But on the flip side of that, there's so much opportunity to grow over the next 10 years as we look outside the United States and as we look at uh, newer consumers who are looking at luxury
0: differently. So yeah, it's exciting, man.
1: And no complaints at all. It's a fascinating place to be. Well, Man,
0: I know you are super busy. Speaking of travel, we're just grateful you take a moment down there in Bermuda to chop it up with us. Where can people find out more about Adrian D. Parker and or Patron? <laughs> you know what? If you want to find out more about Patron or me, hey, on IG, hit us up
1: on Instagram, man. Patron Tequila or Adrian D. Parker. And, you know, you can follow my travels or follow Patron Really excited. Hashtag Pastor Patron, man. We are getting it going. I think uh, there's this new swagger about Patron that we're really excited about. So whether it's on our social media or our websites, stay tuned for more of our adventures this holiday. We got some really cool stuff coming up I'm excited about. And uh, yeah, excited personally to be a part of this company and keep it rolling. Shout out to my wife, Felicia, and our kids. The patience with dad as he uh, globe trots, And I'll probably bring her some
0: tequila for this weekend
1: because she's going to need it.
0: <laughs> you are a good man, dude. Well, have a great weekend. And again, thanks for taking the time to join us, man. Awesome. Thank you so much, there. I really look
1: forward to uh, seeing you guys and work with you in the future. Thanks for having me.